The great comparative literature and mythology professor Joseph Campbell once said, follow your bliss and don't be afraid. Doors will open where you did not know they were going to be. The spirit of the podcast is to learn how former Wego Wildcats followed their bliss and for us to get inspired and learn from their stories. Welcome to Wego Places. I'm your host, Brian Turnbaugh, English teacher at West Chicago High School since 2001. Today's guest is Liz Ramos, class of 2013. Liz graduated from the University of Missouri with a degree in journalism. At Mizzou, she reported for the school paper, The Columbia Missourian. She was also a contributing writer for another local Columbia publication, Vox Magazine. In the summer of 2016, Liz was an editorial intern at the Daily Herald, a community newspaper covering the Chicago suburbs. Currently, Liz is a K-12 education reporter for the News in Advance in Lynchburg, Virginia. This newspaper covers the cities of Lynchburg and the counties of Amherst, Appomattox, Campbell, Bedford, and Nelson. There was one snag in the interview. We dropped our connection once, but we were able to resume it midway through the interview. So apologies for a rough edit. Today's guest is Liz Ramos, class of 2013. Liz, um, tell us what you yeah, do. So um, I am the K-12 through education reporter for the Lynchburg News in Advance. I focus mainly on Lynchburg City Schools and Campbell County Public Schools, which both have about 8,000 students each. Um, I go to school board meetings, cover any committees associated with those um, or any work sessions that they have. I also cover school events, programs, activities, um, and write features about students and teachers. Um, Pretty much anything education-related, I have my name on it. Um, I get to meet students and just go throughout the schools every single day and it's just a fantastic opportunity and um you know my mom is a or she's retiring and she's going to be she was a um teacher out in the suburbs of chicago so she kind of um gave me the passion for education writing um and also based off my own personal experiences so it's really great that i get to share the stories of kids that sometimes don't get a voice and are would love to see their names and faces in the paper. I'll probably get back to a follow-up question about how do you go about finding stories or do stories find you uh, with that. But um, tell us about your path of how you got from the Wildcat Chronicle and got to where you are writing right now. So freshman year of high school, I knew that I wanted to take some type of writing class, but creative writing was only available to the seniors at the time. So I enrolled in journalism with Laura Keene, and since then I have been in love with journalism and being able to share people's stories. Um, After, or when I was a senior in high school, I was looking for schools to go to for college and just Googled the top 10 journalism schools in the country and went based off that and decided that the University of Missouri was the best choice for me. It is the number one journalism school, they say, in the world. And so it was a privilege to get to be a part of the first journalism school that was ever created and get that training and hear from professionals that have been in journalism for decades and learn from them and get my own experience at the Columbia Missourian, which isn't the school newspaper, but it is um, all the content in that is written by students, and then the editors are all professors at the university. And then I also got to work at the magazine that's on campus as well. 
And I had an internship at the Daily Herald the summer before my senior year, which is a newspaper out in Chicago. It covers the suburbs. And then once I graduated, I just went on a job hunt and landed in Virginia, which I did not expect. I had never been to the state before accepting the job, but it worked out for me. The And I remember even when I was in high school that um, University of Missouri had just the best J school for quite some time. You know, what were some of the stories that you worked on? as a as an undergrad and what was what was that like my favorite story that i wrote was about a boy scout troop and they were celebrating if i remember correctly um 50 years and they um were having kind of a banquet for it and everything but we wanted to run the story before that banquet and i had the opportunity to talk to the very first scout master Um, and just kind of talk to members that have been through it throughout the decades, talk to the current members and share those memories, why this troop has stayed together for so long and the impact it's made on the community. And just, it was fantastic to be able to share that with so many people. And they were so happy with how the story turned out. And, um, that's just one of my favorite stories that I've written in my career, um, Another story that I wrote that I really loved when I was at the Columbia Missourian was um, with Barbara Harrell. She was a very well-known African-American person in Columbia. And we just kind of had a conversation about race and talked about how she still, at the time, I believe it was about 2015, 2016 maybe, um, that she was still having to deal with racism and discrimination And that was a big topic on campus those days. And um, just being able to hear her story and share that with people to hopefully open people's eyes that Columbia was not just, you know, that happy-go-lucky college town that a lot of people thought it was. It, you know, has serious issues just like every other city in this country. Um, And just being able to dive into something that is so complex and has so many layers to it was a great opportunity for me, um, especially with it being one of my first stories that would be published in the Columbia Missourian and have my name out there. Um, So, yeah. Let's fast forward to where you are now in Virginia. And you had mentioned that you are uh, a, 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 the, a, the writer for all things education. What is, how, how wide is your reach of how far you have to go for um, uh, your stories? Um, so we cover six school divisions here. Uh, it's, most of them are in rural counties. Um, and the only city that we have is Lynchburg. Um, and there's about a population of 80,000 here. Um, but in the counties, it's not as um, populated. And so pretty much, like I said, I focus on Lynchburg City Schools in Campbell County. And so I cover all of their school board meetings um, and focus on them mostly. But occasionally I'll do regional stories where I get to talk to individuals within the four other school divisions. And an example of that story would be um, probably most likely standardized testing and how the schools fared on those. Um, When the Parkland shooting happened last February, um, we definitely dived into school safety and how our schools were handling it. So we talked to, um, I talked to all of these schools to see what was their safety measures at the time um, and if they plan to increase any security or anything like that. Um, We had a story on what teachers and police 
and sheriff's departments thought about arming teachers. And at that time, it was just a very relevant story that people cared about. Um, so I pretty much am in and out of the schools as much as I can. I am making connections with teachers, students. Um, I have a contact list that is about you know, 20 pages long, just filled with as many sources as I can possibly get, because without them, I wouldn't be able to write my stories. And um, I just try as much as I can to make sure that my name is out there and that they know if they want to come to me with a story idea, um, that they can call me, email me, reach me, however, and I'll try to put it in the paper. So I would imagine that could not have been an easy process to acquire contact sources, at, you know, coming from Chicago to Missouri via then Virginia, you, you had zero. What's the process of like building that contact list? I mean, obviously you, you show up at a school board meeting, how, how much, legwork does it take to begin to um, acquire a list? Like when you go into a new school and acquire these uh, contacts, um, how do you go about that process? It is really difficult at times. Um, I pretty much have business cards with me all the time. Even if I'm not in my reporter mode, I have business cards in case I run into someone just when I'm out and about in Lynchburg. Um, it's pretty much just going up to them and saying, hi, my name is Liz Ramos. I'm a reporter for the Lynchburg News in Advance, and I would like to talk to you about this. Um, and just going about that, it's honestly going through Facebook, Twitter, all different social media, and finding their PTO pages, their school pages, um, seeing if, like, our superintendent has a Twitter page, and so I follow her on that. Um, and I just... I'm looking for anybody that's willing to talk to me, really. And so sometimes people will reach out to me, and I'll be able to do stories that way. But a lot of times it's contacting the public information officer at one of our school divisions and saying, hey, what's going on this week? What can I cover? Um, and getting her permission to go into the schools and talk to people. Um, other times it's me coming up with ideas out of the blue. Um, an example for that would be... Um, when I started the K through 12 position, it was actually winter break for our schools. And so obviously like I couldn't go into the schools and talk to them. Um, so I just looked on donors choose, which is a website that teachers often go to, to ask for supplies or, um, you know, money for certain projects and everything. And I noticed that a lot of teachers in our area wanted to get money for comfortable seating or flexible seating, which could be like beanbag chairs, um, stools, just different types of seating options that they can put in their classrooms because they found that students were able to focus more, that they were less stressed, that it was just helping the environment. And um, I just decided I'm going to write about that because it seems like it's really becoming a, an important and popular trend within our area. And um, so sometimes it's really just kind of finding your own way um, through calendar, social media, reaching out to sources, and then at other times if they'll come to you, it just kind of depends. I think it's so cool that you know you have a, a certain type of process. So you you reach out to people, or the story will fall into your lap because of just your assertive uh, social media scrubbing of finding things, and then just the 
the peeling back and just being imaginative and kind of allow the serendipity of an idea to just kind of pop into your mind and really just kind of thinking about, um, you know, what the teacher's needs or the student needs are. That was a really cool idea that you went to the, uh, try to find the patterns of what would be available on the, t- it was the, uh, I'm sorry, was it the GoFundMe page or Donors what was the, the donor's shoes? That's, that's right. Uh, where you would be able to find that. I think that's really neat. So in terms of, of, of your writing process, What's it like when you sit down to – so you have the idea for the story, then you have to write write the story, and then you have an, a, an editor, and then it kind of goes to print. Would you say that – so tell me, like, what's the, the process of what that uh, – how long does it take? And from moment of, of the, the, the figment of the idea all the way to you finally – pressing enter and it is submitted to finally be uh, brought to print. Like what's, what's that process like? Yeah. So um, every Thursday we have a team meeting in which all the reporters pitch their ideas for the following week. Um, For example, next week I have a lot of meetings to go to. So I'll say, you know, Monday I have a Campbell County school board meeting. Tuesday I have a meeting on poverty. Um, Wednesday I have a college graduation to cover Thursday um, a signing day at a school, um, and then, you know, so forth, so on and so forth. So, um, after they approve those ideas, pretty much like if it's a meeting, then we'll go to the meeting. We generally have the agenda beforehand. So we know, um, for the most part, if there's something that we should be writing about, um, sometimes, you know, obviously we have those kind of unexpected things that happen where, um, for example, something that you think wouldn't be controversial all of a sudden is drawing a lot of discussion among the board, and you find that that's actually what you should be focusing on for the night. Um, but after that, pretty much, you'll go back to the office, and you'll sit down, you'll write your story, um, and then your editor looks over it. If they think it's okay, then it moves on to a second read. If not, um, you answer all of their questions until it is okay. Um you have two reads on it, and then after that, it goes to the copy desk, and they will look for, they look mostly for, like, grammar and stuff like that, um, and then it goes, um, the copy desk also handles designer designing here, and they'll put it on the page with the headline, put any photos that need to go with it, the story, and then they print out the pages, and they read it over again, and then it goes to print after the whole newspaper is set and ready to go. So it's a it can be a tedious process. Um, if it's a longer story that takes more time, um, bigger projects, then, um, for example, I worked on a story a couple months ago about one of our schools that is just really, really old. Um, the part of the school that houses the main office um, is 100 years old, and it's one of the schools that's kind of drawing up controversy among Um, the school board and the board of supervisors, which is like the local government in the county. And um, so I decided to write a story about the history of the school. I talked to people who went to the school back. It's now a middle school, but it used to be a high school. So um, talked to them about that and um, talked about the infrastructure issues that they're facing at the school and just kind of combined all of that. But that took, you know, a few weeks of finding sources, talking to them, going through interviews, then writing it 
all together took itself a few hours and then finally you go through the edits and that takes time too. So it kind of depends. It could be you're done in an hour. It could be you take a couple days to put everything together. So it just all depends on the story and what exactly you're looking for. How did you, how were you able to be able to describe how you were able to kind of break through and and write with such confidence? Um, It takes a lot of practice. You have to have confidence in your ability to know that you are getting things correct because, you know, people depend on newspapers and TV stations, any form of journalism to be accurate. And um, you just have to have confidence in yourself that you have the ability to do that. On top of that, you have to kind of, it. sometimes writing a story is kind of like putting a puzzle together in which you have to come up with your first sentence that mainly says the reason why you're writing this story. And then after that, it's kind of mixing in quotes and putting in other. What would you say is the best way to in trench trust of ethics as a journalist with uh, your re- you your readership. You definitely have to start out by building up that relationship as much as possible in the beginning. Um, I try to tell people as much about myself and how I got here, the importance of the story to me and why I'm there. Um, because I just today in this day and age, it's just so frustrating sometimes to hear fake news when someone doesn't agree with a story that you've written, but you know that everything is accurate. Um, so I always have my notebook with me and I also have a recorder. I ask the source if I can record them um, just so that they know that I am trying to be as accurate and Um, or as accurate as possible. And so I go back and transcribe everything and take my time with it if I have the ability to do that. Um, And I, if I have any doubt in my mind that I have something wrong, I will call the source and double check everything and just make sure that it is correct. But I think that Something that newspapers do very well is that when we do get it wrong, we say it and we correct it as soon as possible. Um, And I think that helps with that trustworthiness that everybody makes mistakes. It doesn't matter if you're a journalist or not. And the point is we try to make up for those mistakes and say, yeah, we were wrong, but we're going to fix it and try to make it right again. Um, And I think that really helps with people in our community because they know that when they read the news in advance, it's not just information that we came up with out of the blue. It's we talked to our sources. We dove into the topic. We were trying as best as we possibly could to answer all the questions accurately and with the most information we could get. And so um, building that trust with the people in our community is so incredibly important. Um, yeah. Uh, Liz, what are you working on right now? Um, right now, my biggest story that I have going on is every year we try to do a feature about high school graduations um, to kind of get everybody excited about the graduation season. And um, so right now, it's not, I'll be honest, I don't know if it's my best idea, but I still like it. Um, 
a lot of times, and I know WeGo did this, that we have student speakers at our graduations. And so I wanted to focus on them. And one of our schools, um, or one of our school divisions does something interesting where they have our st- the students kind of submit what they would like to talk about. So they might say, I want to share my personal story, or you might be listening to the funniest speech you've ever heard in your life. And um, they submit it to the senior council and senior council takes the names off of all of those, you know, submissions and then has the senior class vote on it. And so whoever gets the most votes gets to speak at graduation. And that way it kind of takes away that idea of a popularity contest. And it really is what you think um, you want to hear at graduation. And I just, I, I think it's interesting that people are willing to go up in front of you know, hundreds, thousands of people and say something that they came up with themselves and they're brave and courageous. Yeah, you're right. It is an act of bravery to uh, to speak in front of that many people, especially with so much expectation to deliver on something wise and, and rememberable. So, yeah, yeah you're and absolutely. For some, for some of these kids, it's the first speech that they're ever going to make in their life. And it's the biggest speech, and it means so much. Graduation is such a big moment when you're in high school, especially if you are a first-generation graduate from high school. Um, And so being able to come up with an idea that is fresh and new and can apply to every single student that is going to be accepting a diploma in high school this year is kind of a big deal for me and it's an honor to be able to come up with that and speak to these students and share their, their stories. So that's kind of the biggest story that I'm working on. Um, next week I have a lot of meetings and those tend to be live stories, meaning that I write them that day and they're published in the newspaper the next day. So I don't have a lot of time for big projects, but um, it's kind of having to juggle the two you know, working um, live stories and working on big projects at the same time and making all of that work in all in 40 hours a week. So it's a lot of a balancing act. No doubt. No doubt. So Liz, what are some tips for success? You know, we're going to have some uh, young writers that are going to be listening to this and uh, maybe even some current uh, Wildcat Chronicle uh, editors and writers as well. Um, what are some tips for success or, or in some words of wisdom that you could give uh, our Wildcats? Um, definitely. If you love writing, just keep doing it. It doesn't matter if it's um, fan fiction or you're writing for a newspaper or it's an essay. You know, Just keep trying to perfect the craft and know that you know, it does Anybody can be a writer, but it's that passion that really makes you a professional at it. And don't give up on it. Um, A lot of people, when I decided that I was going to major in journalism and choose this as a career, said, oh, well, why are you doing that? You're not going to make a lot of money. Um, I'm not in this for the money. I'm in this to share people's stories and to share information. And, um, you know, it's just what I love to do. And, yes, I do not make a lot of money, but I think I'd rather be – passionate about my job and happy to be getting up and going to the office every morning than just going to do a nine to five job that I know that I would not be happy or as successful in. Um, So 
also just like don't look down on yourself. Um, I one of the students that I spoke to about this graduation feature gave some really good advice, and that was don't look down on yourself. Um, so I am honestly crediting her to this advice, but she was kind of saying her speech is going to be about, and it doesn't matter whether you're going to a two-year college, a four-year university, or if you're going into the workforce or military, you have your own talents and you have your own abilities and no one should ever make you feel less than. And, you know, I think she is just right on the money right there. And I don't think I could say it any better. Um, so just don't let anyone tell you that you can't do what you want to do. Um, and once you find your passion, stick to it. Liz, thank you so much. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm so proud of what you do. And I'm, I'm so impressed by, again, your level of professionalism, the fact that you're honing your craft. I think journalism is, is about the most important job that we have in today's world when we know that we need to have truth. And it's just nice knowing that you're out there sharing stories, inspiring people with the narratives of good work and all of that. So um, thank you so much for what you do and for being so generous with your time today. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I have to say hi to Ms. Keene. Oh, for sure. She's, she will be the first one I send this to, for sure. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening to We Go Places. If you know of a great guest for this podcast, send me an email at b-t-u-r-n-b-a-u-g-h at d94.org. Music provided by Joe Villacat.